We are live. Welcome live. to season two, episode eight of Live Lunch with me, Johan Philip, Joel Virgo, senior pastor at Emmanuel in Brighton, and also anything else you want to say about you? Um, I'm, whilst I try to introduce you, I'm, I'm some father to five children, husband yeah. of one, yeah, Padawan one. of the Messiah. What of the Messiah? Padawan. Isn't that the one? The like the apprentice. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> follower of <laughs> Yahweh. Yeah. <laughs> Megan. And Glastonbury's own yeah. Megan Lara Nicholas. Woo! Tell us about it, Megan. We did we did speak about it last yeah, week. Yeah. You, should, you know you should have been oh, here a bit more boy. regularly. Oh, Do you not tune into yeah, live lunch when uh, when yeah, you're not I, on? I, I it's just I I um had amnesia. I I yeah, I just yeah. sorry. It's available on Who the podcast you? and mm-hmm. YouTube Ooh. if you want to go back and listen no. to it. Spotify as well. We've got we've mm-hmm. got this content everywhere. We just want to flood all our platforms with Good. Uh, conversation over lunch. Let's yeah, do that. Today, people suggested we replace calling it live lunch with liquid lunch. Mm. Do you know why? Because we are going to be talking about wine and communion. We don't have a bottle opener. We don't have bread because the cafe stuff didn't have bread. Um, But we've got wine. Why do do we have wine on our table? It's because this Sunday at Emmanuel, we replaced... Oh, we have bread. (laughs) Welcome. But we do have bread. We do have bread. We do have a real pittestrace sliced white bread. Fantastic. And Daniel Wheel has just brought us in some drinks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The Cafe Downstairs team have served us incredibly well. Thank you. Thank you, Cafe Downstairs. Thanks so much, Daniel. Thank you, everybody. You've never had an nice Americano before. No, I've never had one, so this is it. What mm. do you make of your iced Americano? Yeah, it's all right. Do you not have cold, <laughs> do, you, do you not drink cold coffee? Uh, no, I, I, I don't really do cold coffee. I had a I had an iced I had a sort of a an iced flat white on Saturday that was um, was okay as well. Was um, that a small batch one? No, it wasn't a small batch. It was not. It was I can't remember what it was, but it, yeah, it was not a. It was okay. It was okay. It, it was. It was okay. This is okay. The the small batch uh, cold brew is on point at the moment. They've got a really nice, earthy, chocolatey. I can't remember what region it's from, but so cold brew. You you tend to brew it the previous night, store it in the fridge, uh, and then just let that coffee do its thing uh-huh. for uh, overnight. Right. And it's just, the one that they have at small batch at the moment is amazing. Okay. So I'd recommend the cold brew. Ooh. They also have nitro coffee, which so is. Coffee, yeah, other coffee injected with nitrogen dioxide or something. Sorry, did you say injected with, with nitroglycerin? Nitroglycerin is exactly what I Excellent. say. Excellent. <clears throat> That's uh, what we need. And it gets pumped mm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quite like it. Mm. Some people don't, but nitro coffee, I like it. I think it's this, the same pump that they have in, in pubs and the, uh, because I don't know the detail of this, I'm going to sound like an idiot, but unusually. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. But there is gas that's pumped into coffee, so it's it's like, it's like fizzy coffee. Okay, uh, it's very nice. Is it? Do they do they sweeten it? No, I think it's just standard coffee. So people put sugar in, because yeah, like just what? fizzy coffee that's not sweet it must be weird. No, you try it. It's, some people don't like it. Hmm. But I like it. You probably won't like it because of your refined tastes. 
Oh, okay. Because uh, that's fine. Anyway, people yeah. aren't here to tune into our take on coffee. There must be smarter people who can talk about coffee. Max White. Max, Max White. White is Christian coffee Finer. guru. Christian Feiner. Yeah. Lewis yeah. Morgan. Yeah. Just these guys mm-hmm. know their coffee. Are you are you knowledgeable um, in the ways of coffee? I'm. I go for a hot chocolate. Oh, I'm one of those okay. people. Cool. Yeah. Or a smoothie. Mm-hmm. So um, going bold. Bold or bald? Bold. Oh yeah, yeah. That probably yeah. For, for, Can we yeah. block this person? <laughs> <laughs> Where's your cup? It's downstairs. Um, I, I left it somewhere, so it's fine. Yeah, it's too hot. It's definitely block this person. Yeah, you are not welcome here anymore. Okay, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, communion. Yeah. So this week, now. yeah, let's talk about communion. This week we uh, we announced that we were shifting from grape juice to wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the I'm keen to like understand a little bit more about the deci- the decision. I know you spoke, you shared for about, for about a few minutes before at the start of your preach about why we've made the decision. Uh, but then just to be in dialogue with you and and talk to you a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the process behind the change? What made you wake up and say, right, let's change? Or how did it come? How have we come about changing wine at uh, grape juice to wine at Emmanuel? I guess it's helpful to think of it as a change back because um, originally um, churches would have always used ordinary standard wine um, if you go to most churches today in the world now, I guess you'd, you'd be more likely to get wine, wine that's actual wine um, as opposed to non-alcoholic uh, grape juice. And so we, in making this decision, making this change, it's just a reversion back to um, what's normal. And, uh, and so it, it, it was more a case of what, what's stopping us? Why would we stick with, with doing grape juice every Sunday? And um, so that, that, that was an easy discussion discussion actually as a team we felt like we're, there, there aren't strong biblical grounds for doing grape juice um, it doesn't really I'm guessing there aren't any biblical grounds for using grape no, juice no you have to sort of make out like all wine in the ancient Greek Roman world in which the, the early disciples did their lives uh, was non-alcoholic um, and then people can sort of feel like, oh, that's okay. When it says that Jesus turned water into wine, it meant he turned water into grape juice. Or, um, you know, people will, will try and make it that way, um, even to the point where some would say, yeah, okay, there was wine in the New Testament, but, um, but you know, Christians shouldn't have it. You know, shouldn't drink it. Certainly shouldn't drink it recreationally. And so when, when Paul says to Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach, there are, there are commentators, I think probably mostly from about 100 years ago, um, not many around today would say this, but but who would say, or oh, Paul means that he should rub it, rub it into his tummy. Why? Yeah, because wow. there's no way he means swallow. How do you, so how do you like, come up to such a conclusion? That because because if you see, if first. you see alcoholic drinkers as um, kind of an evil. Now, how do you come to the conclusion <laughs> that you got to, that verse implied rubbing wine on your stomach? Because it can't mean swallow it. Can't uh, possibly. That's, okay. I guess what I, that would be this. You have to ask this particular interpreter who's wow. probably dead. And, and uh, <clears throat> I don't think there's many who follow that line now. But I, it illustrates how far people will go. It illustrates how concerned we are to avoid the, 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 the uh, issue. And I guess that it's to, to be uh, balanced about it, you've got to realize that most people's reluctance to take wine into communion um, will probably have something to do with a, a, a 
concern about alcoholism, drunkenness, and a lot of people have got very good reasons to be wary of alcohol. Um, and uh, there's no question that, that alcohol and alcohol abuse uh, can, can be causes of some of the worst kind of sorrows and, and um, social evils there are. So it's not, it's not to be kind of completely despised and dismissed, but when that kind of concern becomes the overriding one where you actually end up basically being a bit presumptuous and imposing things on the Bible and making yeah. out that the Bible is is harder and stricter on certain things than it actually is. Yeah. Um, it need, that needs to be, yeah, we need to reverse that because that's a mistake. So are we primarily doing it so that we can stay true to what Scripture teaches us? Hmm. Now, the, 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 it's not in a vacuum. It's not just, oh, we, we're keeping the rules now. That's, that's one up for us. Because the wine itself has got, um, uh, it's, it's got, it, it, it's got a bit of a, an, a, a it's, un, it, it's unpacked as a theme in the Bible. Um, it's, it comes out in all kinds of ways. What, you know, wine, wine is um, generally in the Bible, apart from some places where the, there's warnings against getting drunk and the debauchery that that leads to. And there's, there's warnings against the, the danger of it. The, um, the actual stuff is, is celebrated. It's like, it's a good thing. This is a gift from God, you know. It's, it makes joy, it makes men's hearts glad. So it's, um, it's positive. And then there's places in scripture which seem to encourage celebrating and encourage enjoying, encourage worship even, festive occasions before the Lord. Um, um, which involves strong drink, you know, in Isaiah 25 and 26. There's that whole passage about that. And so we, we, we've got to see that within the scriptures, there's this idea of wine playing a part in the kind of social, convivial kind of climate that goes on when people are gathering to, to worship and celebrate God. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus celebrates the Passover with disciples and takes wine and says, this is my blood given for you for a new covenant, um, for the taking away of your sins, it means the context is celebration is um, a kind of a, a, a victory meal, like a, something that's that's taken us away from our slavery. This this is this is a this is a part. This is festive. Wow, it's a festival. That doesn't mean that it's wrong for us to take communion with a serious approach. That you know people thinking carefully about their walk with God yes. and it's, it's fair it's fair enough it's a good thing to do to con even to use it time to just consider ourselves and are we ready the Bible does talk about taking it with an appropriate reverence but reverence doesn't have to mean I don't know dullness and um, uh, sort of something you know somberness and it doesn't mean like having grape juice. <laughs> and you think actually, there's a reason why yeah, wine is actually something we associate with times of celebration and joy, Christmas and stuff like that, festivities. And so it's it's quite appropriate to think of it in those along those lines. So my, I guess my observation or my my thoughts when you when we come to the communion table, you kind of come head down, you take your communion by yourself, you mm. you, you participate, you eat the bread and, and drink the wine and it's this moment of reflection on I'm a sinner and Jesus you've you saved me and I'm, I'm grateful kind of quite morose quite melancholic almost yeah, um, yeah our taking of communion but this seems you're, you're saying it should be more of a celebration and that's really the attitude that we have towards communion I think so I mean it does I, I don't I don't think it helps to try and um, prescribe a mood 
ever anyway. Not, it's not very useful to say, hey, this is supposed to be a celebration. I'm singing and dancing. <laughs> so the, the Bring result, on the, tra- the tambourine. The result of that is always people sort of, at the best of times, try and force some celebrity. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that. I think, I think the, what we are doing at Communion, what it, what's actually going on, is an occasion for, for joy and peace and happiness. And, it's, it's, and so it's, I think people knowing what it is and knowing what we're doing and, and experiencing the goodness of God in it, in the gift of Communion, that's the route to getting to the kind of, I guess, the kind of tone and feel that, that the Bible would, would push us to. If we if we say hey this is if we if we try and say this must be a jubilant atmosphere I think we're over prescribing because there will sure. be times when actually communion might it might be taken in silence it might be taken quietly it might be taken with a kind of reflective tone there's nothing wrong with that but it's wrong I think if we assume that it has to be reflective every time to the point of being a little dour yeah and, you know do you know what I mean we can just yeah. be tinged overly in one direction I think it will probably be if it's done rightly. It will probably reflect all kinds of different moods. It's quite some Sundays you feel like you know, some, sometimes take some, not just Sundays, but occasionally you take communion. You might feel the seriousness of it. Other times you might feel just almost lightheaded with happiness because you're just so not with alcohol, but with with um, with, with with such a peace and you know it'll be different. And we don't want to overprescribe it. Anymore. It's quite fascinating because if if you look at replacing wine with grape juice, in some ways you're looking at teaching in the Bible and replacing things which is what the Bible is written with something more palatable or something or something more safe uh, yeah 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 and you could almost see well if that's my reading into scripture then my reading into who God is yeah. is is somebody who doesn't enjoy or doesn't allow us to enjoy celebration yeah, yeah. and doesn't yeah. enjoy allow us to to drink fine wine uh it's like someone but, said you know Jesus turned water into wine and the church has been trying to turn it back ever since <laughs> yeah. 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 but it does speak to us about who God is our yeah. understanding of God can so often be shaped by well, subconsciously or quite subtly by Absolutely. by this replacement yeah, yeah. that we believe in this party pooping God yeah, yeah. rather than a God who just come and enjoy being yeah. in my presence. Who, who do you think made this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's when you read when you read honestly and openly the invitations to to um joy and pleasure that are intermingled into the into the scriptures that describe God and God's ways and God's love for us. You, you you can't come away from that with a sort of a a uh, you know a kind of a, I don't know what the best words to use are because they're so hackneyed words like puritanical or killjoy you know but that I guess that, that's the sort of thing I mean you, you can't you can't arrive at that God if you just have the Bible it, it, it takes it takes religious traditions that have come after the Bible for us to get that idea yeah yeah brilliant we do communion at Emmanuel every week mm. and this is not this is something that we've done in the past few years yeah is there been any reason why you've wanted to have communion every Sunday rather than an, on a special occasion or every month? Yeah, I think to just... Why the increase in frequency of communion? To celebrate communion re- frequently mm-hmm. uh, is uh, one of the privileges and highlights and, and uh, climactic points of a gathering to worship. Um, it's it's the, the sort of... Of all the things that we do when we gather, it's one of the most specifically kind of taught and in, 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 in commanded and encouraged things in, in the in our you know that we do that, 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 that Jesus himself specifically 
uh, made these instructions for us to do. And so to do it, you know, weekly is is a decision that, that some churches might make differently. And I don't think it would do for us to sort of make that into a particularly a law, like weekly is only the only way to do it. Some people might say, no, we just don't do communion on a Sunday. We only do it in small groups. We do it with just a, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the more informal context. And I think I can get that. I, I see that the wisdom of doing that anyway. And I think I would say, why not do both? Because doing communion uh, regularly seems appropriate. When we gather, we gather in Jesus' name. How do we, how do we remember him? He told us how to remember him. He told us how to. Uh, what, what's the way he wants us to? This is one of the principal ways that we, we uh, allow our hearts and minds to settle on who he is and what he's done. But also we, we partake of him. We, we, we actually are in a way that we can't always, we can't understand, but it's mysterious. But we are, we are feeding on him. And we don't believe that this is magic or you know, that the bread and the wine is in some magical way turning into Jesus, like, like some would believe. But we, we, by doing communion regularly, what we're saying to is what we come back to every, every day, all of our lives, we come back to the cross. This is the basis of our hope. This is the basis of life and joy and peace. We, we need this. We need this every day. We need this. And so a very powerful reality that we, when we say to people, come to get prayer, come and get prayer for healing, come and get prayer for any help or, or area of need in your life, or even come and ask questions, come and talk to us. We tend to emphasize, meet us at the table. Come and we've got prayer teams at the table at the, where the bread and the wine are. I guess the emphasis meaning being we're almost kind of trying to subliminally train the, the ch- don't think that there's answers ultimately anywhere else come to jesus come brilliant. to the table brilliant um just a couple more questions um for me have we been in sin by replacing wine with commun with grape juice or would you then say I think that I think that there might be some that would make it, would draw the line in that in that kind of way. I don't think I would. I don't. Are matters that, that for me of degree uh, faithful to scripture and degree of repentance. We might say do that. I don't want to make the, anyone think um, uh, that there's there's been something. Um, <clears throat> uh, there's there's something deeply dysfunctional. Um, about about having something other than alcoholic wine when when you celebrate communion, um, I, I I don't want to give that impression too much. I think no no no. It's like we're always growing and learning and learning what how how to be faithful to Scripture. Um, I think um, in worship um, might even necessitate people may not even have access to wine in some places. Literally, they may not have access to any wine at all. And so, how do they celebrate communion? Does that mean they can't? I think people who can't baptize people because water is so there's such a shortage of water in some circumstances i've heard about people covering a people and, and saying that that's baptism and you think does that mean that they're not properly baptized i would say no i i don't think it's i don't i can see god being very kind of pleased with their faith in that situation it's brutal as to say oh this has been a terrible error that we're all deeply we've been in sin no i'd say no let's just keep always pursuing um faithfulness yeah. i guess the question would then be sorry do you have something if if on holiday we went to another church where they weren't having wine but they were having grape juice in good conscience should we take the grape juice and... mm. I'd have like a general communion question mm. um, so I was listening to a podcast once and yeah it's not really about wine but um, it's 
someone argued that you can't have communion leading that and I was just wondering what you thought about yeah I, I'm not um, I'm not I, I, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't say that at all I, I, functioning healthily which must involve some kind of governing just for the church to be safe and I guess I could see that there are certain kinds of church function that you think no no that if there's no authority, there's no eldership, then that's not really the church doing it properly. So there might be some situations, like, for example, when the church is being um, uh, having some particularly important piece of doctrine or teaching clarified. Um, that's something that, that yeah, the, the, the overseers that are put in place under God's authority need to be involved with. Maybe more more obvious example would be if there's a case of church discipline if it's like no no this this person who's uh in the church is not is no longer in the church because actually there's there's some unheeded you know correction this person is unrepentantly doing something that he shouldn't and there are those circumstances that, that jesus talks about in matthew chapter 18 where it's like treat this person with love but not pretend that they're a disciple mm-hmm. um and that's obviously something that those you can't do that just yeah, small group. You've got to do that with some with some governing authority. I don't think personally that communion fits that category. I think it's something that you no know, believers being together, mm-hmm. taking bread and wine, just out of brotherhood sisterhood is is fantastic and doesn't need to be presided over by someone with particular authority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. I guess the last question. Um, what about people who struggle with alcohol? What about people who, for whatever reasons, even if so you know those bits in, in Corinthians which talk about the weaker brother and looking mm. out for those people who's not just people who struggle with the sin, but people who's, whose conscience hasn't caught up with their theology. Yeah. Let's say if, if wine was very much associated with a particular lifestyle uh, and you don't want to be reminded of that, yes. what would you counsel to, to people who, who don't want to go near, near wine? Are, are we saying... Yeah, yeah I would, I would um, um, appeal to... So, so again... Paul is is focused in is, is specific in his in his letters in the New Testament. He talks about appealing to people's consciences, um, and so you're helping already by talking about the conscience mm. as the issue. I think people's consciences need to be won over, not brutalized. And when when somebody has a bad conscience about something, um, it's it's um, not only is it unhelpful, but it's dangerous to force them. Into behaviour that that they are, their conscience isn't allowing them to do it, but you are. You're mm. you're making them do it either either by by being pushy, mm. or even just by sort of subtle peer pressure. Mm. Um, and and people think, well, she's doing it, he's doing it, so it, it it's it must be okay. But they haven't actually been persuaded inwardly. Mm-hmm. They are just going along with the flow. And so what they're doing is they're training themselves to not to train their conscience into silence. They're kind of squashing their conscience down. Um, and and the Romans uh, 14 and the passages in First Corinthians that you talk about uh, are quite quite strong mm. on the danger of that, the damage that does. Mm. It's 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 horrendous to make somebody do something that's against their conscience, even if the thing they're doing is in itself not wrong. Mm. So drinking alcohol would be a good example. If I if I drink alcohol because I've I've read my Bible and I've come to the biblical conclusion that there is nothing objectively sinful about drinking alcohol, and and I drink it responsibly, and give glory to God, 
that's that's uh, that's that's excellent. If I drink alcohol when I think you know this this isn't I don't think this is right. I've always been told that alcohol is evil. I've always I've I know, I've got a gut sense that it's wrong in my gut. I think this is a bad thing. But my pastor has told me it's all right, and my friends in this small group are doing it. So stuff it. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't I don't I don't want to be a problem. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to cause issues. So for me, I'll just do it. Uh, that's what you're doing is you're overriding your conscience and that's not how to treat your conscience what you need is your conscience to be truth to it mm -hmm. by becoming more persuaded yeah, you're then becoming an adult your conscience starts to become equipped strengthened able to make wise um, uh, did, did carefully thought through decisions and then and then you can keep trusting conscience more and more and more somebody whose conscience has been beaten to submission Will, will end up making terrible decisions because they, they don't listen to their conscience anymore, not properly. It, it just, it just they go with the flow. And we don't want that for people. Brilliant. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. If you have any more questions, uh, please drop them in the comments or direct message us uh, and we try and answer your questions. If you're part of Emmanuel, speak to your site leader. Uh, this is important. We don't want to rush this. We don't want to force this. Um, we want to help you and help your conscience and, and just work with people. So. Please ask us questions if you have any. Please speak to your site leaders, your small group leaders. Um, this is this is important. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Joel, for staying faithful to his scripture and for leading as well. Uh, Megan and the team, have a great week. See you guys.